Hi, and welcome to Call to the Far Shore. I'm James. Hey, guys, I'm Andy. It's nice to be back. It is nice to be back. Andy, I had a chance to listen to your kids last week. So when we recorded the episode on dads, uh, we actually hadn't listened to each other's kids, our, our kids' responses. So what I think was particularly funny about yours, and I would have reacted to it at the time if only I'd known, was Julia's response where she said, the only thing I, I like know. about my daddy. <laughs> the only one. The only one. The, the, list, only was, one. the, list, was so, the list was so small. The list was so small. I loved how specific it was. It was like the only thing I love about my daddy. So, so my kids enjoyed enjoyed doing it too. Um, so, but maybe we should interview. We'll interview our kids at length sometime in the future. We could just bring them up with some random questions and see what they uh, see what they come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will ask them. I will ask them next. What is mission and what is discipleship to you? And we'll see what they come out with. They will probably explain it better than we can, and, and well, definitely, yeah. definitely, they won't take forty-five to fifty-five minutes to explain it. So, <laughs> and then have to do another podcast to clarify what, to clarify they, what they meant in the first place. Yeah, no, no. Maybe we shouldn't interview our kids. Maybe they'll make us feel make us feel old and useless. So, uh... yeah. <laughs> So, Andy, you had a chance to interview someone this week, uh, and I've listened to the interview, um, and we're, everyone's about to listen to it. So, and it was really good. It was funny though. I get we when we record our podcasts, we actually record the video and the audio too. Um, so, what? Why don't you introduce who we're interviewing first, and then I will comment okay. on the on the video. So, go for it. Yeah, great. Well, this week we have a friend of ours uh, called Kelly. Uh, Kelly is from the OC in California, and um, and she's uh, she's a great friend, a great girl, and she just happens to be like black belts in every single martial arts you can name, <laughs> and uh, and she looks like your typical Californian girl, very bubbly, very friendly, but she is kind of like do not mess with her because she will she will kick your butt. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so she's got a great project called the Graceful Warrior Project, and they and she goes around the whole world uh, teaching self-defense and explaining the gospel um, uh, to women who have been oppressed in many ways. So yeah. that's no one is for today. It's a great interview. And what I was going to say about the video, so I got to watch, you know, you interview Kelly <laughs> on the video, is that that Kelly was in such a like. At such oh. like typical American location, she has these giant cacti uh, behind yeah. her, which you would see nowhere else, but like in in the Wild West. So it just cracked me up. I wish I wish that we'd done a video podcast just so people yeah. people could see that. So when um, I I thought it was one of those like fake digital backgrounds when we first uh, started the pod, and it wasn't. She was actually nope. she was, it was. Yeah. Somewhere in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, surrounded by surrounded by cacti. So we should add, when you listen to the interview, if you do hear some birds tweeting in the background or the howling desert wind, it's because there's a couple of tumbleweed <laughs> blowing by uh, past Kelly in the background. But anyway, why don't we listen to that interview now? Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, The Far Shore. Uh, today I'm here with a, a great friend of mine, uh, Kelly. Kelly is the founder of the, the Graceful Warrior Project. 
And uh, Kelly and I, we first met a few years ago down in the Orange County in California, uh, where she told me all about her work with the Graceful Warrior Project, whose mission is helping women through indigenous leadership to heal, find strength and be empowered uh, through God's grace. Uh, since then, uh, she came and actually spent, I think it was just over a month with us here in Revive in Brazil. And it was a brilliant time uh, where she trained up uh, some of our girls and staff in self-defense. Uh, Kelly describes herself as a global women's empowerment activist, where she now travels the world on behalf of the Graceful Warrior Project. She believes in taking a holistic approach, wanting to help women in all areas of the world that are facing all levels of oppression that become everything that they were created to be, spiritually, physically, intellectually, and economically. So there we go, Kel, what a great intro. It's great to have you on the far shore. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you. It's our pleasure, Kel. Um, it's so great to have you. So Kel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came around to starting up uh, the Graceful Warrior Project? Um, yes, yeah, so I knew I was going to be a missionary since I was a little girl. And um, I was just always fascinated with wanting to help people um, and loved all these different cultures and different ways of life and um, how we could just help them thrive in a way, you know. Um, and I just remember being this little girl and just daydreaming of, of different ways that we could do that. And so I just really know that God put that calling on my life really early on. And um, then when I was 28, I, I got to step into that and I became a missionary in Congo. Um, and, um, you know, I went there not really knowing exactly what I would be doing. Uh, I had been training self-defense for myself just because I wanted to learn how to protect myself and, um, you know, didn't know where God would be calling me. And um, I grew up in, in some abuse myself. And so I just wanted to, you know, just take um, proactive steps for myself. And then when I got to Congo, which is right where I was, it's the rape capital of the world and um, a war zone. So they asked if I would teach the women's self-defense and I thought oh my goodness like there's got to be like much better people than me but um but I thought you know God doesn't always in fact most of the time he calls you out to do something where you you don't have the means to do it or the skills or the expertise and you feel like wow I fall miserably short then what should be you know that then what is required um and so it really becomes a step of faith of saying okay well I'm gonna lay my ego down um of thinking well someone's gonna call me out for not being good enough someone's gonna call me out for not knowing enough and and I will be humiliated you know and just laying that down and saying okay I'm gonna sh share with you what I know um, the little bit that I have and um, what I don't know, I'll keep learning um, and we'll learn it together. 
And so it just became this commitment of, of even watching, you know, videos in the different countries I would be in um, and just thinking, okay, well, let me just learn how to do this and see if we can work it out in person together. And so it just became a really cool, humbling process. Um, and, you know, their need in different countries, you know, because once, you know, I lived in Congo and I was, I was serving there, but then God called me out and called me to different countries. And he really had to loosen my grip on me thinking I was going to live in Congo for a very long time. And, um, you know, he just had to pry my fingers open from it and say, no, you know, I didn't say that. I, I invited you here. You have to be really flexible. And so, so he started sending me all over the place and, um, the trials that a lot of women face in a lot of different countries look different in certain places. Um, but there's a, there's a common theme, there's a common thread that runs through, you know, whether it's a brothel in Cambodia or an active war zone um, on the, the front lines of Eastern Ukraine and Russia or um, the jungles in Tanzania or Maasai villages wherever it is, or in Brazil, where you are, you know, um, there's a, there's a common theme. Um, but, um, the, the differences are not only in what is culturally promoted and culturally acceptable, um, but also what is, there's just, you know, if I explain it better this way, if someone were to say to me, where, what are the boundaries in your own culture? I would be able to name some that I would think are obvious, but I wouldn't even come close to what I would, um, to, to, to all of them, because they're so ingrained, they're natural to me. I couldn't fathom something other than that. So when I go to another culture, someone can say, oh my gosh, you do that, or that's not okay where you are and all these things. So it becomes this dance that we have to figure out, um, which is one of the main reasons why I no longer go and teach like two hour seminars in a village somewhere and then just leave because I don't know the dance they have to do within their own cultural boundaries. They do, and it should come from them. And it's in their own language, in their own context. And, and so we don't want to go in and cause problems where now we put the girls at greater risk. We want it to be a healing experience. And how do we empower them in the long term where it becomes this, this slow unfolding of something that is healthy instead of this, I'm going to rip it apart. This is not okay. You're not okay. All these things, you know, we want it to be really, really, um, really healing and unifying for everybody. So it, now instead of just living in Congo, God has opened the doors to working in many different countries. And I set up different leaders in these countries, local leaders, and we bring our four pillars to them. Um, and, um, I can share with you the four pillars, but I just feel like I had one really long run on sentence. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much, Kel. It's amazing, isn't it? To, to hear how, how God calls us into a, 
a particular context, like for you, it was to Congo. Mm -hmm. And you thought that, okay, I'm just going to be in Congo. And then suddenly God used something that you had, a talent, which was self-defense, which perhaps you never really thought you could use in a, a gospel focused way. And then mm -hmm. God was like, no, I'm going to use these skills that you have. And actually it's not going to just be in Congo. It's going to be, it's going to be in, in other areas. And um, it's perfect what you say about how actually when we're working in other cultures, we have to be very sensitive and, and even contextualize what we are doing uh, so that the people from that culture hear it in a way in which they can understand and, and engage with. That's so good. Um, but Kel, tell us a little bit, you know, you, you, um, you started off in Congo and then suddenly mm -hmm. God said, you're going to do this in other areas. And then the Graceful Warrior Project type, you know, kind of came out of that. Tell us a little bit about what is the vision of the Graceful Warrior Project? What are you guys trying to do uh, with these women and girls in the countries that you guys work in? We have a four pillar approach to self-defense because it's holistic. Um, if you look at um, Maslow's hierarchy of need, you can't you can't start introducing something that is very um, crucial to know, like self-defense in a really um, volatile area. Um, but when a most basic need isn't being met, like food and water and shelter, um, that becomes like something that needs to be addressed first and foremost. So we do, um, and then also spiritual, obviously. So most of these countries that, ask me to come in um their organizations or churches or um safe houses like yours um they're usually um already christian but a lot of times in these cultures um women are being taught like scriptures are be ta being taken out of context um and misused and to to oppress women um, and so we want to, we want to bring historical context. We want to bring understanding. Um, we want to, like one of our board members, Tim Muehlhoff, he's a professor at Biola. And um, he told me when we're reading the Bible, we always have to look and see, is it prescriptive or descriptive? So are you, is God telling me something or is the author just simply giving me um, what was happening in the culture at that time. And right. so um, people that don't really dig into the Bible and don't know these things, they can read a scripture and they can say, oh, well, we're going to apply this to women and, and, and use it to oppress them. So mm -hmm. we want women to know, because it's one thing to be told by your family or your, you know, um, your family of origin or, or, or your husband or, um, the community at large, it's, it's one thing to hear from them, your second class, and um, you, you shouldn't go to school or you um, shouldn't stand up for yourself if something is happening to you. Um, but it's another thing altogether to think that that's who God created you to be. You know, so we want to break that apart and say, okay, we see what's happening in your culture, but we want you to understand that that's not what God says. And so we, we come at them with spiritual self-defense 
and also physical self-defense and then economical because we want the leaders to be able to run their own groups with mm. dignity and to be able to say, hey, we need this, we need to do this, all, all of that. And to be able to run businesses so that they can take money home to them, their families and help their girls out, but also um, financially um, stabilize their group. So if they want to have, you know, team building, um, sh- you know, workshops or, you know, if emergencies happen, like two of our girls, their homes burned down in Congo on the same day right next to each other. So to be able to provide for them, um, and really, you know, there's books like When Helping Hurts and Half the Sky and things like that, where it really is, it can be very detrimental to come in as an outsider and then be there like, okay, I'm just going to give you money. You need help. I'm going right. to give you money. You have to like let them do it and give them the platform and the encouragement and the resources to do it themselves. I'll give you an example. So um, one of our chiefs, Nema in Tanzania, um, she's an incredible, incredible leader. So um, do you, have you heard of the um, uh, Dave Ramsey Financial Institute? Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, so um, Mm -hmm. I taught her that, um, just a very basic version of that. And one time she was showing me her house and she has this tiny, 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 tiny little house. And she, uh, she brought me inside and she says, Kelly, it's my dream one day to have couches in my house. And this is a woman that takes girls in left and right, has nothing herself. And um, it's something where I would be like, no brainer, I'll get you two couches. Like that would make my day to be able to do that for you because you give out so much. And, but there was a deeper issue, you know, she didn't know how to budget. And I've been, I, I have been in points in my life where um, I don't budget correctly and, you know, get myself into a little bit of a hole. And so it's a learning experience for me. So her deeper issue was she didn't know how to budget. And um, she was going around to people in the community uh, every month, like clockwork, halfway through the month, can I borrow money? Can I borrow money? And she, her husband was sick from working in the mines, was throwing up blood and coughing up blood, I mean, and all that stuff. Um, so she was the, the sole provider in her family and taking care of other people. So naturally, your instinct is like, yes, but I'll just get her couches. But now, um, so I taught her how to budget. And when I left, she messaged me and told me, oh, I'm I'm a, I've held two budget meetings for the women in the community because everyone was wondering why I wasn't asking them for money anymore. And wow. when I came six months later, she comes in beaming from ear to ear. She had two beautiful couches in her house. And, and then not only that, but she now fully understands and, and wants to budget for her graceful warrior group. Now they run, she runs a safe house on land that we bought them um, to take care of all the girls that she takes in. And she has that um, financial like understanding of how to make things run. And so it just is. And I was like, Nema, do you want to make a, um, what do you think about making a budgeting curriculum? and that our other leaders can use 
um, and we'll translate it in other languages. And she goes, Kelly, I was going to surprise you, but I'm already doing that. And I thought, this is brilliant, like amazing. So, um, so the economical part is setting them up with the resources to make their own money and teaching them uh, really simplistic ways um, that, that I use um, that I think you don't have to be a financial guru to, to, to really learn how to like manage money well and manage your group well and stabilize it. So then the intellectual aspect of self-defense. So we have spiritual, physical, economical and now intellectual self-defense so our girls some of them like our girls in Maasai villages um, that they are at risk of being female genitally mutilated and also um, forced into marriages we rescue a lot of girls that are being forced into marriages um, so but they have a greater chance at the community listening to them if they say they don't want that if they are going to school. So so going to school becomes intellectual self-defense and the way that we can pay for that, because in the, in the past we've paid for girls just one off, but that doesn't become very sustainable because you have to now just go out to people. Can you help her go to school again? Can you help her go to school again? And she's not the only one, there's many. So we're starting um, in economical self-defense different ways to generate income where that are um, passive income, you know, that we just have to one off instead of spending a thousand dollars sending her to school, I'm gonna spend a thousand dollars getting a moto taxi in Tanzania. And then that moto taxi in a year will generate money to send a girl to school year after year after year. And for those people wondering, well, what about the moto taxi? It's gonna die at some point. Every year we switch it out. So it's a new functioning moto taxi. So. Um, so we do that in Haiti. We do that in Tanzania. We're working on that in Congo. Um, so the four pillars of self-defense work holistically to raise them up. The goal is to have the leaders start leaders underneath them. It's just an organic growth. We have curriculums written and translated in several languages to for the spiritual and for the physical self-defense um, and videos for them so that when they start new leaders, they have a lot of support um, and intellectual content to um, to guide them, but in no means is it like they have to do this. It's really just a way of how do you want to empower people in your culture in your way? And here's some resources if you want them. Um, mm -hmm. And and the end goal would to have would be to have women empowered, but in a way that brings unity and it brings um, the men and the women together symbiotically the way that God planned it I believe so I love that men are leaders of the home I love that you know men are just natural leaders protectors providers all of that and that that was meant to protect women that was meant to provide for women not to oppress them so we just want to help there be more of a healthy aspect to it yeah Wow, Kel, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those uh, those four pillars. And it's it's very interesting, actually, because we've known each other for a few years now. And, and when you were here in Brazil, the Graceful Warrior Project was kind of still in its infancy. I remember you were sharing a lot about, about you know, trying to organize, uh, organize things. And to hear you now speak, I can I can really yeah. see how much it's grown and especially yeah. 
the influence from from when helping hurts what an amazing book that is if no one's read it yet everyone should read that book uh, when helping hurts and i can really see how you guys have really tried to think a lot about not just financial sustainability but also of the role that we play as rich westerners going into mm-hmm. poorer countries and how we can help them in a way that doesn't harm them or harm ourselves exactly. and it's it was exactly. and i'd seen the facebook pictures of the moto taxis and i thought wow yeah. that's an amazing idea and so um, yeah. yeah really really good it's really good to to, to hear all that kel thinking Thank a little you. bit about the spiritual pillar um how would you describe mission what is mission for you and how 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 do you guys go about um building and and creating uh disciples uh, through the graceful warrior project um do you mean mission in regards to what we're doing or just mission in general i would say let's 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 do mission in general if you had to if somebody if you had to give like you know mission is dot 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 and had like had like a few sentences okay. how would you describe mission and then discipleship through the graceful warrior project okay yeah that's awesome um okay mission to me is um everywhere all the time so um if you are a postal worker um you know you see those people that just radiate jesus wherever they are and they are um they bring light to people's days and um you know even those people that aren't afraid to you know through relationship you know like sit there and be like hey you know we've been co-workers for a while i see you're having a hard day um i don't want to offend you at all but um would you mind if I prayed for you? Anything like that, you know, I actually, so, okay, little segue. I um, became a massage therapist, which is something I love to do. I, it's a massage, um, massage business for women. And um, when I know that I'm massaging a Christian woman, I get to play this really awesome, beautiful music. Her name's Allie Page. Um, and the women just love it. And it really becomes this way of addressing, you know, the spirit and the body at the same time, especially in this world. We're having such a hard time right now. Um, and just to be able to care and comfort someone. Um, and then at the end, I say, you know, can I pray for you? Um, and it just becomes a really awesome time to, to love on someone, um, and to show up as a massage therapist, you know, and then the people that, don't, you know, cause I go to people's homes and I come in and I see a Buddha or I see like, you know, an evil eye on the wall. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, cover me here and um, help me to shine a light here. And I'll pray for them like in my spirit while I'm massaging them. Um, but also just knowing I don't have to be abrasive and be like, do you know about Jesus? You know, because just how I show up every day and I'm looking to pour into them 
um, they'll start to see that and start start to wonder. So I think that mission can be everywhere all the time in a really organic way. And if if you feel like there's something you should do, but you're like too nervous to do it, I always say, God, will you provide an opportunity to do that thing or to, cause I want to honor you in this, but I don't think God's like, nope, you're on your own. I think he's like, no, I want to provide this in a really cool organic way. And so, and then it becomes this awesome conversation or however it works out. So whether you're a cashier or a postal worker or um, you're a restaurant manager, like how do you, how do you servant lead and how do you, um, yeah, like lead Christ Christ first, you know, um, just being that light, like he said, the light on the hill and don't hide it. Um, as far as discipleship in, in useful worship goes, I, um, I totally believe in, um, I love servant leadership. I love, I love, oh, Simon Sinek, um, all of his books on leadership and how to really lead, um, in a way that creates, such safety among people. Um, they feel like they can make mistakes with you. They feel like they can be honest with you um, and that they're safe to do that. Uh, I love, um, yeah, I just, and so I'm always trying to show, okay, I'm building you up to be a leader. Um, and I believe you're already a leader before I got here. I'm just kind of um, we're rubbing off on each other because they make me better leaders all the time. Um, and so, and then I watch them lead their girls and I'm just flabbergasted. I think, wow, this is incredible. Um, you inspire me. And so then, then they are teaching their girls that they're leading what it looks like to be a good leader and, um, that you don't have to impact tens of thousands of people. I'm not trying to impact the whole world. I'm trying to impact maybe, five, 10, 15, 20 women that God puts in my path. And then they impact 20 women around them and so on and so on. And so it becomes this organic network of, you know, one candle lighting another candle. No one's up at the top. We're all just mm -hmm. like guiding each other along. Do you know? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome, Kel. Yeah. So good. Um, We've, we've mentioned some resources already. We've mentioned uh, When Helping Hurts. That's a great, yeah. uh, that's a great book. Kel, do you, have, do you have any other suggestions of, of books or other resources which have been, have been really, uh, you know, really powerful for you in, in your journey that you could, could, could share? That's a great question. Um, yes. So the few that I've mentioned, as far as mission work goes, I would definitely say When Helping Hurts and Half the Sky. Um, Half the Sky in particular is a hard read, but you really are getting, um, they take you down. Like you're not at 30,000 feet reading a book. You're right down on the ground with them and you're, your heart breaks for them. So I think that that's a phenomenal um, read as well. Um, and then again, if you're into leadership, um, I love all of Simon Sinek's books. A lot of them I read in a single day because I couldn't stop just like devouring them because um, I just, 
I believe that if we, oh, you know what? Dan Allender, Leading with a Limp. That book is phenomenal. And it teaches you, you don't have to be perfect to lead and um, to be really transparent with when you mess up and with all these things because it makes you more relatable. Um, so it's it's having that balance of, okay, how do I how do I set a standard for respect as a leader? But also like, and how do I know when to say, okay, you're not really getting it. Um, and I feel like you're walking all over me, which isn't fair. Um, because the truth is, if you step off of a plane in any country, any country, um, including the US, and you're like, who needs help? Everybody's going to raise their hand. Um, but you're you're looking for that person that is already giving back, that has that heart to give. Um, and to like, I gave a plate of food in Congo to someone who sometimes only drinks a sip of water before bed. And that's everything she has in her stomach the entire day. And I gave her a giant plate of food and she called a bunch of kids over and was sharing it with them. That's who you're looking for, you know? Yeah. Um, and so looking for those people. And so, but also having a standard of, okay, there's gotta be mutual respect here, but there's gotta be also mutual transparency. We're both human and um, grace that we cover each other with and all of that. So leading with a limp and any of Simon Sinek's books are phenomenal for that. Um, and then obviously the Bible. Um, and um, I love, and I know this is going to be really controversial for a lot of people, but I love the book, The Shack, and I know it's fictional and all of that, but I just love, um, because it really, um, it really kind of takes apart a spirit of religio religiosity, if that, if I said that right, um, and helps us to not get so caught up in the shoulds and shouldn'ts, but, um, just checking in with the Holy Spirit and leading with your heart and knowing that, God's looking at all of our intentions and we should also look at people's intentions um, and that will solve a lot of problems for us. Yeah. Yeah, Brill, thank you. Thanks, Kel. Kel, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find out more about the Graceful Warrior Project, if they want to support your work, uh, how, how can they do that? Yeah, so you can find out more of what we do on Instagram or our website. Both of them are at the Graceful Warrior Project, um, and the website is .com. Um, and then if you want to donate, which would be incredible, um, we have an army of donor um, donors who even it's just small amounts. So if you want to commit to even just $10 a month, um, you have no idea how much um, that helps us and how far that goes to establishing new leaders and making um, all of them 100% sustainable so that um, we can continue doing this in other places. So thank you so much for considering us. Yeah, no, that's great, Kel. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today on The Far Shore. We just wanna affirm you, we love you guys. We love The Graceful Warrior um Love you too. everything yeah everything that you guys do for for the girls for the women in this world uh we just want to bless you and 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 may it long continue so thanks for joining us today kel Thank you, and uh Thank you so much yeah and have a great have a great day you too so andy i feel like i have to affirm you 
because every time I do an interview, you always say, James, you did a you did a great job. You did a great job. <laughs> um, so I have to say, Andy, you did a great job. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. You've done, you've done so many now. You're the experience. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't stop. You can't compliment me. That was just me complimenting you. So that's okay. Good. That's don't 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 accept. start complimenting me. So um, hey, I really <laughs> enjoyed listening to the interview with with Kelly. Mm. Uh, there was a couple of things that after listening to it that came up in conversation with with people uh, in the last couple of days even. Um, oh, great. So the, the two things that stood out to me the most. Um, one was those those four pillars that she talked about. Mm. Yeah. The, the pillars of defense, where she was talking about the spiritual defense, physical defense, and then the um, intellectual defense, uh, yeah. looking for education opportunities and the economic defense. Um, yeah. I loved, uh, I haven't read that book that you guys were raving on. Really? Oh, you need to. Yeah, yeah, I might uh, get it for our, our vacation coming up soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I love that kind of discussion and the way she was talking about how a lot of those groups in the countries are funded. I just thought that was super innovative uh, yeah. and such a smart way of doing it and how to explain it too. And then just the way she had those four pillars too, it just really gave me a clear vision of what uh, the Graceful Warrior Project was about uh, yeah. and trying to do. So. Yeah. And it was amazing. The reason it came up in conversation was because there was a, a situation I was talking with someone about um, uh, and a, a situation, a story of abuse. Uh, and they were asking whether this was like a cultural thing or, or not, mm. you know, whether this this kind of abuse was only present here. And I just listened yeah. to the interview. And I was saying, no, this is this is a worldwide issue, like right. across across different cultures. And I was able to say, hey, you should check out the graceful warrior project <laughs> and you should listen to this interview and find out what it's about so that thing uh that thing really that that really hit me so uh oh, I'm, I'm so pleased james because i think I, I i said in the in the in the interview uh unless you've cut it out <laughs> that uh <laughs> that um that we first met kel when she was it was it was very early on and she just set up uh, the graceful warrior project she'd come to brazil she actually trained at rosie my wife as one of her graceful project uh, leaders and it was so funny um uh, it was about a month long and rosie and elise the revive project coordinator they had daily self-defense lessons with kelly and then on an evening they would come home and uh, rosie would try out her self-defense techniques on me and she would be like hey love you need to try and attack me violently and I was like, are you sure? You know, because, you know, I am stronger than you. And she's like, no, come on, you can do it. And so I did. And she like floored me. You know, it was terrible. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> but um, but it was it was so much fun. And it was it was very interesting because Kelly was, like I said, it was very early on in kind of like her thought process and just the whole the whole the whole idea of of God giving her this gift and then she turning this gift into some into a way of doing mission and discipling others was, was 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 a really cool thing. And then to talk to her the other day was it was great to see how the Graceful Warrior, Warrior Project has grown, but also evolved. And in those four pillars that you mentioned, it's not just physical self-defense. She added all these other things. And it was just a real privilege to to talk to her. And a great example of someone doing pioneering mission, mission in a very different and creative and innovative, innovative way. Um, it's perfect for the Far Shore podcast.
Yeah. So well done, Kelly. Yeah, she and, did. Uh, we well, and, yeah, the other thing that that stuck out to me too um, was when she was explaining about um, kind of you asked her about how she goes about kind of making disciples um, mm. and the kind of missional aspect of thing, and it was funny. It was it was I, I wish I'd written down her words what she said but it was the the fact that she was just with confidence it was like i don't need to i think she was talking about when she was massaging people she's like i don't need to to tell them about jesus i don't need to like jump down their throat about jesus i am just gonna act like jesus and i'm gonna confidently act like jesus and they're gonna ask me they're gonna ask me because of the way i act and it was it was so refreshing to hear that and also, I just loved her confidence. I, I would love to have the confidence to say that I act in such a way towards people that it's obvious yeah. that I follow Jesus. Uh, it was yeah. really inspiring to hear that. And I was like, man, I would love to have that confidence yeah. where the way I act towards someone that's coming into my home or someone I'm just meeting in the street or someone that's cutting my hair or anything, mm-hmm. that I would act in such a way that I would know confidently that they would see that there's yeah. something different about me. So yeah that was that was that was cool and also challenging too oh that's really good i'm sure kelly would be thrilled uh, to hear that okay excellent <laughs> excellent that she got praise praise from us i'm sure she'd be thrilled that this, this <laughs> yes, random guy great. i do a podcast with thinks that's great so <laughs> we think you're great kel well done we think you're great. You can there you go <laughs> put that put that on the graceful warrior website on the website the yeah. podcast thinks you're great thinks you're great yeah <laughs> That, that's going to be the crowning crowning glory of the of the graceful warrior website it's like those little blurbs you have on the back of books uh yeah, you know right. like you know normally it's a famous person saying love uh, this book was great it changed me so uh yeah <laughs> you can put our quotes on on the website there we yeah. go <laughs> okay well thanks sadly for doing that i appreciate it thank you uh kelly for for, for being on our show we really appreciate that uh, we're actually going to be taking a little vacation, Andy. We're going to be taking a week off. We've been uh, producing these podcasts at a rapid rate of one a week. Um, so we're actually going to be taking a little break. So we're going to be taking a week off. So don't don't be surprised next weekend when you log on to your podcast and find out there's no episode. Um, so we're going to be taking a little vacation. I'm actually taking the kids off some national parks, Andy. Well, that's good. I think we'll, we won't be doing anything. But we'll oh. be having a good Easter. So You're have, happy Easter to everybody. Yeah, happy and Easter. Have a great vacation, James. Yeah, I will. And, do. Uh, Andy, can I ask you an Easter question before we go? Really important Easter course. question. Deep, deep Easter question. So in Brazil, do they do the hollow chocolate eggs full of candy like we do in England? So, yeah, they do. They do hollow chocolate eggs, but usually full of nothing. So just hollow yeah. chocolate eggs. You want to know and something? It's like 10 times the price of a chocolate bar. And oh. it's crazy. Very disappointing. So in the US, would you yeah. believe that they don't do Easter eggs like we do in England? What? Like you would have it's thought. In, it's in the Bible. Have, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I am stunned that there's none of the uh, the hollow chocolate Easter eggs full of candy. Incredibly, what, incredibly what, disappointed. What do, you, what do you like hide around your house for the kids to so find? So they you have these tiny, the... tiny plastic eggs and you, you stuff like little M&Ms or smarties inside those little plastic eggs and you hide those around um but not oh, no big on, cab- these big cab- now if you're listening to this and you have no idea what andy are come talking on. about you need to go to amazon.co.uk and type in like <laughs> cabri's buttons chocolate egg 
uh, and you'll right. see you'll see what British people get. So, and you'll be and like, like America, yeah, and like America's like supersize everything. Exactly. And so, like Easter egg, I would have, I would have thought you would have like these supersized massive chocolate eggs that you no, they have like solid, yeah, solid chocolate bunnies and things like that too. But <laughs> and that's it. Oh, they don't know what they're missing out on. So there we go. Anyway, so like we said, anyway, have, have a great, great Easter. Easter. Yep, and we'll see you soon on the far shore. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore.